Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy, here with my buddies, Mike. Nope. One and done. Mike's <laughs> a one and done type of guy. Yes. He's in and he's out. That's so right. he's not here today. But Pete is. Hey, howdy, hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's been a long day of baseball. I was with my daughter for two hours for her softball, and we were out on the football diamond. Football diamond, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Football good. field. Football field. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, with the boys, we were outside for a little while, which was great, and then we went back inside to do the do the infield work. But yeah, kind of happy where, where we're going along with that team, for sure. That's been pretty interesting. How was the football field? It's good. You got true bounces on it. I mean, the bounces are a little bit higher, but it's it's kind of nice. You get nice little bounces. It's good for early in the season, but I don't know. I just want to get on a diamond. Do they wear cleats? You can wear cleats. It's fo- yeah. I would be afraid to be like a slip and slide. They didn't wear cleats, though. Really? No. I think fine. all the girls were wearing shoes, like turf mm-hmm. shoes, pretty much. Interesting. So, but yeah, well, a lot of the diamonds around here now are switching over to, to a Very turf. True. So, and I think that, Very true. I don't know, I, I couldn't slide on that stuff. I suppose it does it like from the drainage weird. problem that oh yeah with the last two years where it's been nothing but monsoons right yeah like we noticed that with the, the Pete Morris field the outfield was just a disaster and they got pretty good drainage on that like there has been times where nobody else in the area in southeastern Wisconsin was playing but we were able to play on the on the Pete Morris field right if if we had lights on that field wink wink somebody wants to donate some lights to that field we get some later we get more games in it it's like. But, pseudo Wrigley Field with the last <laughs> last day we put lights on it. Well, yeah. Speaking of Wrigley Field and Bronco Select, we kind of have a special guest here, right? We do. Justin Berg, former Major League pitcher. How's it going, guys? Appreciate you for having me. He's a hometown boy, though. Yeah, hometown guy. Um, well, kind of now. I just moved to the Union Grove area a few months ago. Uh, well, more than that, I guess in uh, July, somewhere around that time, uh, we bought a house in the Union Grove area, and it's been great. Everybody's been fantastic, you know. Um, love the community. Um, everybody's been really supportive since we moved to town, and it's been really fun working with the Bronco Select teams. So how did you even come to find this? <sighs> Find find you guys or find Union Grove. <laughs> well, hey, whatever we want to start both, with. Yeah. Let's start Union Grove first. So it's not like we're like blowing up the map at all. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm born and raised up in Anago, Wisconsin, uh, about three and a half hours north of here. You know, the Northwoods and yeah, <laughs> Northwoods. You know, yeah, and, they defeated um, our Broncos in baseball. Turning. Yeah, Anago did a good job uh, last year, winning the state title, first one for them, and uh, congratulations to the coaching staff. Those those are the same guys that I had uh, back in the day in 2002 and beyond when I played in high 02. school. That's O2, us. yeah. So, um, Represent. How'd you guys do it in your senior year? We didn't do it as well. You know, my junior and senior year, we made the playoffs, but we lost in the first round, I think, to Seymour and one to Pulaski. There you, there you go, Pete. That's one. That's the only thing we have one up on Justin Berg for baseball. That's it. We made it, one, it. one game further? Well, <laughs> two. <laughs> oh, two games? Two we games won the first there, right? two. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we didn't get to play in Appleton, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're one game away from sectionals, man. But, yeah. uh, no, um, 
What I was going to say is, you know, it, it's it's awesome to see that coaching staff, you know, get get over that hump finally and get their first one. Uh, Union Grove obviously was was a really good team, and now they're moving up to Division One next year. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how well they fit in with all the other schools in the area. Right. Yeah. For sure. I think it's. I think it'll be interesting to see with with Bronco Select because baseball, the players are starting to reach that high school level. And a lot of them played. A couple of them played on the teams, but I'm interested to see like when our boys and all the a couple boys around our ages get up to that and see how competitive they really are because they get so much time now in the dugout and on these in the well, gyms and stuff. So way think, more time than I ever right, had. Because I mean, you think about us like we were three sport athletes, and it was never that much emphasis on baseball all year round. I think the closest we came to playing like a travelist esque type baseball was like legion ball i think right, we played true, some of that yeah. stuff oh totally i agree with you guys i mean you know up in anago we didn't have there's no travel ball the closest thing i played to travel ball was um tavern league growing up you know we played <laughs> i played out of the bar uh Bastel shortstop it was called and i you know Langlade county you played around the county we had little league in town but i didn't grow up in town i grew up nine miles outside of of anago and i was a country boy you know and that's the way that it was you played for the tavern that was closest to you and you traveled around the county and that was travel ball for us <laughs> so <laughs> it was interesting when i got uh to my freshman year of college and i got all these guys from iowa and they're they're like uh you know i played for uh perfect game and i did this and that and i'm like i've never even heard of that stuff so <laughs> it opened up a world of doors for me and it's amazing to see the the amount of baseball that's out there now compared to just 15 years ago even oh yeah even like i mean i can't believe you guys play baseball up there like how would you have one month to play well, that's you know that's <laughs> like we get crazy. so much crazy weather around here i can't it's believe that we would um I, you know my well, head coach still. my head coach i just looked on a map it's north it's up north <laughs> Oh, it's north. You better believe it. Uh, we're right on the the cusp of the Northwoods. You know, you got the potato fields, and then right yeah. in the background is the the beautiful trees. Right. And the, yeah, you know, sense. the deer and bear and Sasquatch that are up there. So um, that's wait. You know, did you find Sasquatch? Jack Lynx? Did you, you know? find one? No, I wish I we did. should go hunt. My mom swears she saw one. We were snowmobiling oh, one time. Like She's this. like, you know, there's the tracks, and they were big. I think she was up like between Anago and Marinette in like a forestry area, and she goes these tracks were huge and they were spread out i don't know Justin. It's, i'm pretty sure that it was, you, you, put, you put your forms behind your back right, right? You're just teasing your mom it was just it was a drunk like snowmobiler that was up trying to have some fun they're just like trailering back yeah, yeah somebody out deer hunting stumbling through the woods i, I believe know. that i believe that i would do that if i was up there That'd yeah be fun. right Heck yeah <laughs> troll but people. uh no, you guys do an awesome job here. And that's the thing that we're we're kind of hitting on is, um, you know, the baseball thing. And, um, you know, you guys having the facility here in town and then having the high school available and the elementary school for these kids to be able to utilize is amazing. You know, like I said, I'm from the Northwoods and we don't have that stuff up there. I wasn't actually allowed to throw in the high school gym. Um, and flexi balls weren't kind of a thing back then. You know, oh, right, it, was, yeah. it was hard balls. That's true. And uh, they didn't want you dinging up the floors and the walls and and stuff right. like that so for me it was in the off season throwing in the walmart parking lot or or a steakhouse park or whatever i could find you know and it was cold 10 degrees outside and my brother brandon's out there with me and he's shivering and it's like man i can't imagine how guys up here could compete with florida texas and cali that'd, that'd be know? terrifying to try to catch a, a fastball when it's like 
it's hard enough just to degrees. play catch. Yeah, I know, but like <laughs> the snap of that in your hand. You're... Yeah, it's it's fun, you know. Um, it's funny because my my good buddy Donnie Veal, who I played with, um, he's a former major league pitcher, also with a couple teams, and he's from Tucson, Arizona. First game of the season, uh, they're playing in Appleton against the Timber Rattlers. It's 19 degrees outside, oh. and he goes. Berg, I don't know how you do this, man. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, and the hitters, I feel even worse for them because oh, God, it's like yeah. at least the pitcher's moving and he's got blood flowing, you know. The, the hitters and the fielders, they're standing there. I mean, and then if a hitter gets jammed or hits one, one off, off the hill. Oh. Well, we had, like this summer it was awkward. There was one game where it was like, in, I think in the 50s, which is, is obviously way warmer than you're talking about. But even then, like some of the pitchers were complaining they couldn't hold, they couldn't have the feeling of the ball anymore. Yeah, it's tough getting grip out there, you know, and then it's cold and and it's it's okay to get a grip but you you kind of get that cat tongue where you got you know once you grab it it's kind of gone so you know there were some different things that we tried to use when it came to getting grips on the ball when i played guys would use you know gum or a cough drop was my go-to i'd use a cough drop because that stickiness would last quite a bit and uh, you know of course there were other guys that used other products that we had (laughs) and uh you know we're not gonna talk about what was in the bullpen bag exactly we'll get into (laughs) a little bit of cheating later for sure (laughs) so we don't want to get him in trouble (laughs) yeah right but where did that carry you? Like you went to college. Where'd you go to college? And stuff? So I was, um, like I said, from Anago, born and raised up there. Um, after my senior year of high school, I really wanted to go on and pursue baseball. Um, I didn't really know where it was going to take me. I also wanted to pursue architecture or engineering. And I went to Platteville for a visit. Um, you know, I I went to a lot of Stevens Point camps and stuff growing up. Um that's obviously was the closest college to me up there that offered um camps and had a really good program so i would go over there but um they didn't offer anything uh academically that i was looking for and uh so i went down to platteville and found out that the class scheduling uh kind of clashed with the baseball schedule and i had to kind of choose one or the other been there yeah so it was it was kind of a decision maker for me and i went you know what um you know i really want to try baseball because i can kind of go back to school later if I really want to. So my high school coach, uh, Doug Bilo, who was my pitching guy, mentioned that, uh, you know, junior college might be an option. So he went to Indian Hills Community College down in Centerville, Iowa, and he basically talked to the coach there who was a, a teammate of his at Indian Hills uh, back in the day. He turned coach. Uh, he said to him, I got a guy from Anago that's decent. You might want to take a look at him. So we ended up getting in the car and driving down there nine hours and uh, I threw a bullpen for him and did a pretty good job, you know. Um, then I asked him, I said, can I jump in the cage and take a few swings? And he goes, okay, go ahead. So I jump in there, I take about three swings, and he says, all right, that's enough. <laughs> You're going to pitch. So um, oh, so ultimately awesome. – So I, the rumors are true, pitchers can't hit. Well, you know, there's a few. <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> a few I know, there are between, three you know, They're trying to bring few. that aspect of the game now with, you know, Ahanti and stuff like that. And, you know, Zambrano was a good guy when oh, I yeah. was playing for the Cubs that yeah. could that could swing pretty well. And, you know, Samarja was another guy that can swing it pretty decently – and um, it's it's kind of fun watching that NL versus AL battle. You know, yeah. the DH versus the pitcher hitting. Well, that's a rule thing. they want to take out of the the major leagues. Too. I saw that. You know, there's going to be a lot of rule changes coming up, and we'll probably hit on that a yeah, little bit later sure. as well. But um, so yeah, that was kind of my route. I went junior college to Indian Hills Community College in in Centerville, Iowa. Um, went from a walk on to being the number two starter on the team. 
had a good season. We ended up um, going to the Junior College World Series out in Grand Junction, Colorado, and um, we took fourth in the nation that year. So did you know the team was going to be that good when you went there? You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I was a young kid, kind of immature out of high school from the northern part of Wisconsin. You know, I didn't realize, you know, how big the world actually is until you get out there and you start getting, you know, diving into it. I mean, we didn't just have guys from the United States on my team. We had five guys from Japan. We had Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, um, you know, a few different uh, Latin players. I think we even had one Australian guy. So it was it was pretty much going from high school ball straight into like you know culture. And sure. we had a guy from Aruba that spoke four languages. You know, and that was pretty cool to me. It, you know, and Japanese guys they didn't speak hardly a lick of English. And watching those guys learn English and and kind of getting involved with that was was really unique but i knew it was a decent program um going into it and i would you know division one which is which is really cool you know being able to play at the top level whether it be four-year school or two-year school um so i i wanted to pursue it and uh, i'm glad that i did we had a great time down there i met a lot of cool you know friends and teammates and stuff like that and um you know, so after after that, uh, my freshman year of college, I ended up getting drafted and, and uh, kind of ended up taking the next step after that. So. so you get drafted by the Yankees. So you go to your rookie ball. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah. So what happened was is I ended up getting drafted by the Yankees as a draft and follow. They don't do that anymore. You know, in the draft, I think they shorten the rounds to, what, 40 rounds now. And, um, you know, I was a 43rd round draft and follow, which meant that I got drafted and the organization said, we have control of your rights. We want to see how you do. Go back to school for another year. If you do well, we're going to sign you. If not, you can go back in the draft or whatever may happen. So, um, you know, that was kind of a uh, – one of those things where I had to make sure that my sophomore follow-up season was pretty good, and I ended up transferring schools to Triton College on the west side of Chicago. Um, had a good year, um, and at the end of that season, had the ultimatum. Um, I could have either signed with the New York Yankees, um, I could sign with the University of Iowa and transfer, or um, basically try and re-enter the draft and see what happens, you know? It was a gamble. I decided to take my shot, and I signed with the Yankees. So, you know, I was 19 years old when I signed. Turned 20 about a week and a half later. Um, I can't you, even imagine that. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, I think what, what well, you were at a 19 or 20 year old. Okay, like, when I was 20, I was we were going up north <laughs> <laughs> to a super fan trip, and we were just, we had to have dad buy us booze. Yeah, no, no, we were just we were just messing around. Right, right. No, I didn't have any <laughs> any ask. Well, I did. Of course, I ever I wanted to be an athlete, but of course, I, I'm five eight. That doesn't help. But well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had aspirations. Like I went to University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and I wanted to like walk into that program. And I got a similar to you, where like the the college courses don't mesh up with the baseball schedule, and right, they give the ultimatum. Like this is what you need to do. They basically pick most of your classes, and like this is what we're going to be. I, on the flip side, didn't do the baseball route. I decided, like, hey, I don't. what are the odds of me actually making it type of thing? And I knew kind of what I wanted to be as far mm-hmm. as, like, from a college standpoint. So I just did the, I got to get out of here in four years type of thing. Yeah. And, well, you had your path set, and that was good. You followed it, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> <laughs> it worked out, you know? That's what's important. You got a plan, you stick to it, and you follow it, you know? So It's, like, it's funny to listen to, like, like your story, for example. It's, it's kind of 
one that kids and stuff can aspire to, right? There's a multiple two different ways you can get to the major leagues. Type yeah, of absolutely. Thing. Um, but it's, it's also still a very minute <laughs> number. It's, it's, it is really minute. You know, the transition from, from high school to college is pretty minute. Only 4% of all high school athletes get to play a sport in college. And then, you know, only 1% of those get to play division one and only a half a percent of those play at an elite division one school. That is, you know, one of those names out there. Um, so, you know, I think finding right now with the goal in baseball is to be able to find where a kid can fit in academically and athletically because we've gotten to the point in the sport where, you know, there's a lot of former ball players that help at every single level, whether it be high school, college, um, and then pro ball and, and every level of college being anything from the division one through division three, NAIA and JUCO, you know, so it's just a matter of finding your right fit, getting in front of the right resources. And I think that's what was a fortunate thing for me at Indian Hills. You know, I had Rick Matthews who is in the Rockies organization as a pitching guy and his son, Jonathan was, um, you know, one of the major league fill in players when the strike happened in 94. So just, you know, going from high school and then getting in front of those guys, they taught me a whole nother level of what baseball is like. And then it was funny, actually, when I played for the Rockies organization, I saw Rick again, and it was he hadn't seen me in probably a long time since then, and he remembered me right away, which was really cool. So, um, But don't you think that baseball is, one of, is, is probably the only sport that you can still probably go to all these rant? Like, there's so many feeder opportunities potentially oh. to get your path to – Oh, yeah. There's tons. I feel like there's way more options in baseball than any other sport right now, especially with all the indie leagues that popped up, you know, and there's more and more coming about every day. Um, And then with the Internet being viral, all you got to do is light up a radar gun somewhere and somebody might give you a shot, you know, again. So um, it's it's interesting to see all the avenues that are out there now, because even like Craig Kimbrell, for example, he went to like community college and that was his way in too. Like he didn't go to some big D1 school or no, whatever else and he's no. probably one of the best closers. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you look at a big league roster, it's interesting. I was telling guys this, you know, look at the American guys on the roster and you would be surprised how many of them come from odd places or um, like out of high school even. You know, they, they get drafted out of high school, they sign, they work their way up through the system. You got guys that go to junior college or NAIA schools like uh, Ben Zobrist who went to Mount Olivet Nazarene and then transferred to Dallas Baptist. You know, those aren't like super well-known schools, right. but the, the dude turned out to be, a, you know, an amazing player in the big leagues. Um, so it's that's, that's kind of what's really neat about baseball. And, you know, especially, like I said, the technology and being online, there's so many resources out there. You know, um, you go on YouTube, of course, there's good and bad with that. You see some guys that don't know what the hell they're talking about, or right. there's guys that give you really good information that you went, oh, that's awesome. I, I needed that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to filter all that stuff is kind of the next challenge. But. Yeah, yeah that, I, that's what I love about baseball is like any anybody can really pick up a ball and learn it. And really, if you take the time, you can put in the put in the work. You can really be good at the sport, or pretty good. Yeah, but like, what like with football and basketball? I mean, you have to have some kind of really extraordinary talent. I feel or size. Yeah. But I just that's what I love about baseball is like for kids wise, I feel like that's the one sport like I really want my kids to play. Right. You know, and I've you know you hear the old adage, um, you know, the guy just doesn't have the size to be able to play. And it's like you're right about baseball. I mean, look at some of the. The better players in the game aren't that big, you know. You got your, you know, Pedroia and of course Altuve, and we'll touch on that. <laughs> but uh, 
You know, I played with guys. Um, I mean, he's probably still really good without the cheating. Right. So I mean, uh, <laughs> Tony Campana was another guy that was on the Cubs. I mean, he was like a buck 45 dripping wet, you know, but he That's was awesome. small, fast and wiry. And um, yeah, you see all kinds of different sizes and structures in the game. Anything from a, a Mike Trout to a Bartolo Cologne. You know? yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I think on our last episode, we talked about like david ortiz when he started with the twins he was like 230 right yeah 225 and then he, get, got, like, he went from big so that was one of my cards from when i was growing up and i had to pull it <laughs> I mean, out it's not he, even the same i you know, know. you his, never even dream his of that. body is the size of barry bonds's head when it started <laughs> 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 i think that's a problem analogy right there but uh, yeah, it's it. That's why it's such a great sport. It's it's a world sport, you know. I think it, even more so than any other sport. Uh, you know, soccer is obviously oh yeah the world sport. But baseball is one of those those sports where very like tons of countries can get involved in. And it's growing in Europe right now. I mean, it's really taken off over in Italy, um, Germany, and the Netherlands have gotten um, a lot more into it. Um, they're starting about talking uh talking about putting a like a 12 league or 12 team league together in europe where they can travel around and and you play like two teams from france there's a few in italy a couple in germany um so the the sport is growing and you know you're playing against and with guys that grew up in latin american countries that didn't have shoes or go to school and they grew up with dirt floors literally in their houses and you know, all you got to do is pick up a ball and grab something that you can catch with and you can play the game. And that's what's awesome. You yeah. know, what's well, even sure. what I think is crazy about even some of those Latin countries and, and they produce some of the probably the best arms the major league's ever seen. And Man. and they're not they don't have like the YouTube and no. whatever else and, and the constant. They don't have the Justin Bergs of the world to come <laughs> <laughs> teach them like how to like like fine tune their mechanics and things like that, but they can, they can just fire a ball. They do amazing stuff down there. You know, they were, they really are passionate about the game to the standpoint where when I was playing in Venezuela in 2008 during the winter, I mean, we're, I was playing for, um, Maracay, the, uh, Los Tigres de Aragua. That's my American saying it'd be, uh, Los Tigres de Aragua, right? <laughs> there so, you go. <laughs> with the accent, um, And we were playing Valencia. There's 25,000 people in the stands, and it's the first inning. A guy gets on, and one side's yelling, un hit, and the other side's yelling, double play, and it's just (laughs) chanting back and forth. And as soon as the ball gets put in the play, everybody erupts. And it's like that from start to finish every single game. And, like, they go nuts. Where in America, it's more like a picnic atmosphere. It's really laid back, you know, kind of quiet. In the Latin countries, they're banging thunder sticks. You know, they're throwing beers around in the stands. There was scotch on the rocks in in a lot of the stadiums. (laughs) So it got really crazy a lot of times. And be in the bullpen, and they're celebrating, dumping beer on the players. And and it was an amazing experience. Yeah, probably the closest thing I've ever experienced to that was, like, the wife and I have started to do a a tour around. We want to hit every, like, baseball stadium. We're going to do the Brewers, but that's just way too hard. So we just try to – we're trying to hit all of the major league stadiums, and probably the closest thing to what you're experiencing is, like, Boston. Went to a Boston game. Yeah. And it's not as crazy as that by any stretch of the imagination, but but those – those fans are insane. They do a great job out in Boston, you know. Um, as long as you're on their side, you're their best friend. <laughs> right, it was yeah. amazing. I, I got to play at Fenway one game, and it was a Sunday night baseball game. Um, and I was only in Boston for eight hours. Flew in, 
played in the game, and then we flew out. But it was amazing. You know, the fans and the atmosphere were unbelievable. Um, I got to sneak inside the wall and see all the, you know, autograph it and see all the autographs. Manny's phone's still inside there, you know, hanging out <laughs> and um, just – Walking down from, uh, you know, the, the clubhouse t- down the tunnel to the dugout, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking these old planky right. boards and they're squeaking and they're just chewed up from the multiple cleats that have walked over them for years. And you're going, God, I can't believe I'm walking in the same footsteps as everybody that's played before right. me, like legends, yeah. you know, walk the same footsteps. And, you know, whether it be Fenway or Wrigley, pretty nostalgic places, but um, from a fan standpoint, I thought San Francisco and, and Philadelphia are pretty crazy too. Yeah. San Fran, they do their homework, man. I was warming up and they're yelling at me like, Hey, your brother Brandon sucks at making cabinets <laughs> or, oh, or, your, or your sister, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, Whoa. these guys did their homework. <laughs> like they're, they're pretty intense. That's pretty, that's pretty insane. My, my Brandon, aunt. Brandon doesn't suck at making cabinets. So he's really good. <laughs> I would, I wouldn't think of anything less. <laughs> So let's take a step back and, and yeah. so, you, so you you signed with the Yankees, right? Kind of walk through like the feeling of that. Like, is it was that a really exciting time for you? Nerve wracking, well, all the above. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I, I went to school, had the aspirations of obviously trying to play and get to the highest level that I could, but honestly you know it was my freshman year in college and we're talking about the draft and the guys are talking about the draft because we knew that junior in junior college you can get drafted to play baseball if you go to a four-year school you have to wait until you're a junior in college or you're 21 in order to get drafted so the junior college guys were all pumped up you know they wanted to see if their names were going to be called and um i kind of got excited you know i'm like yeah let's check it out see how the draft works did you have like a drinking game like every round that goes by (laughs) no not like that you know i I don't remember what we were doing exactly. It was just kind of computer watching, um, you know, because it wasn't televised or anything like that. There's, you know, in the amateur draft, there was a ton of rounds. So they pretty much only did, I think, like the top 10 or so rounds the first day. And then the rest, they just kind of rattle off, you know. So once I watched the first day of the draft, I was like, oh, okay, you know, that was neat, whatever. So the next day we're out, um, actually me and my brothers and like a couple friends, I think we're down at the bowling alley in Anago and we're bowling and my mom called the bowling alley and then put over the loudspeaker that I had a phone call. So I walked up and grabbed the phone and my mom's like, Justin, you just got drafted by the New York Yankees in the 43rd round. (laughs) And I was like, shut up. You're lying. Like no chance. And she goes, no, I'm dead serious. She goes, Steve Lemke's your scout. He's going to give you a call. And I was like, (laughs) you're kidding. And this was like, it was in the evening, I think it was like 5 p.m. or something like that, you know, we were just bowling, having a good time, you know, um, and I don't even, it, it all happened so fast. I went from high school to being drafted the, the following year. I was 18 years old, you know, uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty surreal. So when you actually signed with, and actually made that trip to like rookie ball, yeah, so so I, <laughs> I actually signed with the Yankees, right? Um, flew down to Florida to Tampa for spring training, and I mean, you're talking, you know, 27 World Championships, and um, you know, just 
nostalgia through and through. You know, mm-hmm. I watched Seinfeld a lot growing up. So, you know, with Costanza doing <laughs> right. his, his uh, you know, um, <laughs> impersonations and, and of Steinbrenner and stuff, it yeah. was like, it was crazy. And then to finally see him in person, I'm like, holy crap, that's George Steinbrenner, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I you hear the names, you see the person. I think, you know, I watched him on Saturday Night Live one time and yeah. stuff like that. And and I was just like, holy crap, that's my boss. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's so boss. Awesome. yeah, true. Honest to God, it <laughs> was weird because like uh, when you fill out your tax forms for the Yankees, uh, at least back then, I don't know, know what it is now, um, on your W-2, your employer isn't New York Yankees. It was George Steinbrenner. <laughs> so my place of employment was George, was George Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner. And his brother, Hal, was the one that signed all the checks. Wow, that's so awesome. So it was literally his business, you know. That's crazy. And um, it, was, it was crazy. You know, he'd pull in the parking lot with his Rolls Royce and stuff. And we're a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds hanging out in the parking lot at the <laughs> hotel playing hacky sack, you know, just right. biding our time and, and having a blast, you know. But, uh, yeah, so I went down to Tampa, and uh, this is the, the first day that I'm there. Um, it's rookie ball. I'm looking around. I'm nervous as hell. Um, you know, I got first rounder over here, Phil Hughes. I got Jeff Marquez, supplemental, um, second, third, fifth, top ten rounders all around me. And I'm just like, I'm a 43rd round to draft and follow from Wisconsin. <laughs> and this guy's a first rounder from Orange County, California. This guy's a second rounder from Houston, Texas. This guy's a third rounder from Palm Beach, Florida. Like, it's ridiculous how talented some of these guys were. And, like, I wasn't quite there yet. You know, I was pretty green and raw where these guys were more refined and they had a purpose and they knew what they were doing. Um, But our manager, Oscar Acosta, he came out and he looked at all of us and we took a knee. And the first thing he said to us was, you know, there's 30 of you here right now. You'll be lucky if one of you even makes it to the big leagues. And I was like, that's a real inspirational. No introduction, no nothing. Like, hey, like, welcome to pro ball. You know, (laughs) it's time to turn it up. (laughs) So that was interesting. But my rookie ball team was really good. I I had um, a lot of players actually ended up making to the big leagues. I think we had 10 or 11 guys from that team make it up with either the Yankees or different organizations. So that was really neat. You know, Eduardo Nunez and Ramiro Pena. Um, Justin Christian and Brett Gardner was, you know, there and, um, Phil Hughes made it up with the Yankees as a homegrown guy, which was kind of cool. So, um, and then Marquez made it up, uh, Christian Garcia. Yeah. There's just tons of guys that made it up, which was, which was really neat. We ended up, um, going to the rookie ball championship and we beat the Red Sox in the championship. So, um, had to love that then. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, we ended up getting a ring, um, and, we did so well. Uh, Steinbrenner was so generous; he gave us all a hundred dollar bonus oh, <laughs> for being the Red oh, Sox. Thank you. Oh yeah, it was you know when you're making eight fifty a month in rookie ball, that was you know an extra hundred bucks. That's a lot. Oh, yeah, so, I guess so. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the old grind of the minor leagues. It was a good time, though. I'll tell you what. I mean, um, he couldn't reach in his pocket a little bit more. Ah, uh, you were, you were, you know, you could come hope, on. But. We, we got to figure that. That organization is <laughs> yeah. so deep. Like, it's just no, so, I know. Yeah, right. many, a lot of money. How many teams and stuff? Once is he you trying hand to out this to? big, you got to keep doing it. Right, right. So no, I get it. But do you think anything like Yankees over Red Sox, he'd at least pony up something? That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, thirty guys or so. You got, you know. Hundred bucks up. for each it adds of them. Up. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it adds yeah, up. Yeah. You know, it's give you a dollar. Get that cash flow going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had we had a uh, 
we splurged a little bit. You know, I was able to get like a double Whopper from Burger King there after that. Hey. Which no nice, more singles? So. No more singles. So. That's unfortunate for you because like <laughs> Union Grove used to have a, a Burger King, but oh, you just saw missed that. that. I saw that, yeah. I was My kind son of... gets so mad about that. Mm-hmm. He's like, you turned me on to Whoppers and we don't even have it anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got to go to Waterford. Or... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep, so... Um, but yeah, that was that was my first year in rookie ball. It was it was interesting, you know. Um, it was fun. We stayed in the hotel. I met first time meeting guys from all over the place, really, besides college, you know, and um, just talking to these guys and picking their brains about where they came from, what they did to to get better, and and how they utilized their resources to try and get to where they were at. You know, I remember talking to Phil Hughes, and he was like, "I don't throw balls." I only throw strikes. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I only throw a ball on purpose when I need to, or I want to. And I'm like, holy crap. Oh, how do you have that oh, good? That's a tr- pitch? Yeah. Like how do you have that good a control? You know? And you know, it's funny cause everybody thinks about pitching, you know, it's like, Oh, we gotta have swings and misses and strike guys out rather than, you know, pitch to contact and, and make sure you're throwing strikes and sure. that's the name of the game. But, um, yeah, it was it was really cool, you know, meeting all those guys and and uh, learning from them. So, so did you get harassed at all for being like from the small podunk town of Anago? Yeah, right. Um, no, when <laughs> when I got into pro ball and stuff, you know, um, my accent was pretty thick yet. It's still it's still kind of there. Um, you know, I still got a pretty decent. Oh, hey Wisconsin now, you never accent. lose it. Oh, hey now, don't you know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, when I when I went to college, I got made fun of hard like my freshman year, and I was like, wow, I really sound different. You know, I didn't think that I sounded that different, and um, you know, it, it was fun because as as you get older, you kind of get past making fun of everybody, and you embrace everybody's uh, stereotypes and right. their flaws yeah, and all that true. stuff. Yep. So you know as i got through the levels i had you know canadian players and stuff like that and they loved the fact that i was from up, up north you know i make fun of my wife because she's from canada but she's from toronto like north toronto and if you look at the map she's actually further south than we, we are so i'm like you're a southern canadian you don't even know <laughs> you know but uh no my buddy robbie who was a catcher you know he he would come in after games and he'd be like oh he was going there Barry," and i'm like hey robbie how's it going he's like let's take it to the host <laughs> you know and we got a blast you know and my teammates they would call me cheesehead and stuff like that hey you mind if i have some of your cheese you know and i'm like go good. for it as long as you know good one yeah right i've heard that one before yeah yeah we could we could dive into the culture stuff but honestly if the world outside today interacted like the clubhouse of a baseball team the world would be a lot better place i'll tell you that <laughs> because true. it's fun inside of a clubhouse yeah <laughs> So I think we got to fast forward a little bit to, yeah. and talk about your cup of tea, I think, cup of the tea? major leagues. <laughs> Actually, we didn't even ask him the most important question. What is that? I don't drink tea. No, that is oh. important. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no tea. You mentioned it a little bit when you got the call about getting drafted by the Yankees being at a bowling alley. Oh, yeah. So I participated. You, Justin, participated in a... Working. Bronco Slick fundraiser. <laughs> that was a blast. At, at we the, had a great lo- time that night. At the local fun. bowling alley. Pete decided that he was not needed and went to do some. No, I was working. Videotaping <laughs> I was or whatever you're doing. paid <laughs> that night, so whatever sorry. You do. I did show up late. I mean, you guys. I saw I Pete there. there. I yeah. said yeah. hi to Pete yeah. at the end of the night. Yeah. yeah. I didn't show you my bowling skills, but. <laughs> so so we, we played a little bit of nine pin tap, and, and you're quite the bowler. 
I do all right, you know. Bowling's a pretty, pretty Wisconsin sport, <laughs> and oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, there, oh yeah, there, don't you know? <laughs> and uh, my family, all of us, grew up bowling. My parents were in league. Um, you know, me, my two brothers, and my sister all bowled. Um, my dad and I were actually the first father son combination from Anago to both bowl three hundreds. Um, oh, cool. so that was pretty cool. So I got a 300 in league. Um, I shot another one down in Arizona about, I had Tommy John surgery and that was, uh, <laughs> you know, I was restricted. That, uh, I was, was restricted say, on the rehab? bowling game, you know? Well, actually when I met my wife, I had to bowl left-handed because, um, I had surgery and I couldn't, I couldn't use, I wasn't allowed to use my right arm yet, you know? So we go to the bowling alley and I'm bowling left-handed and I'm still shooting like 170, 180, you know, somewhere in there. And she's like, I can't even imagine what you're like right-handed, you know? So I ended up having, I got to show her one time we went to the bowling alley in Arizona and, um, I don't remember my exact scores except for the middle game. I shot 300, uh, another true 300. And then I ended up shooting like 798 that, that day. And, uh, the house owner came up to me and he goes, do you bowl in league or anything? And I kind of told him my story and background. He goes, you just shot the second highest series in our house history. And I go, well, you guys must not be very good down here because up in Wisconsin, <laughs> we bowl 800s all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. So but true. No, it, it was um, – I love bowling. It's it's great sport for me, you know, because whether I throw strikes overhand or underhand, I'm still throwing strikes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for us, it, it was the first time I touched a ball in a while. Like I, I think I bowled the the Kiwanis like, fundraiser the week before, so I, I got to do that. But before that, I think it was like 18 months. It's like riding a bike. You just, Some, yeah, you find, something you like You find me, your line yeah. and you just go. Yep. But, I, but it was one of those things that – I was feeling it. We did nine pin tap, so it wasn't wasn't probably like it wasn't true, but that's all right. But we were throwing. All of a sudden, I was looking over because you were a few lanes over from me, right? And all of a sudden, I noticed. I'm like, oh man, Justin and I are like keeping pace for a while. I'm like, I'm keeping up with you. And then I get to the ninth, which is like I've gotten to the ninth frame a few times in league, um, hitting strikes. But then it's always my nemesis mm-hmm. frame. Before, the foundation frame, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I left it open. And then obviously you came through and, and and hammered it home for the for the three hundred. You're right though that ninth frame that foundation frame is more nerve wracking than the, than the tenth because yeah. at least yeah. in the tenth once you get that first one you get to go and keep that rhythm right. going you know right. whereas the ninth you know the pressure's on you got to set it up for that tenth frame and if you leave it open man that really damages the score right it does. <laughs> but, yeah it was it was brutal so i think i finished with like a like a 278 or yeah. something like that no that's awesome you know and i had no idea that it was even a nine pin tap until <laughs> i left a 10 pin and i turned around and Grab my. I was going to grab my spare ball, and all of a sudden the rack came down and swept the pin into the into the pit. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Don't mind that purple one up there. <laughs> yeah. Don't look that too pur- closely. That purple X. Don't worry about that. Just watch the white ones. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, your son's taking up the bowling. Yeah, yeah. My son's. Uh, he's in a bowling league right now on Saturday mornings. That's he's awesome. Four man team, and uh, he ended up having uh, one ten his high game. For That's the year, legit, which is yeah. which is pretty awesome for a Absol- ten year old. Oh, absolutely! But then all of a sudden, his teammate throws a one seventy eight. Oh man! <laughs> I'm like we're all like, what? Really had a yeah. good game. Well, his yeah. his dad's family owns the bowling alley, so uh, he's there like every single right. day. But. He can throw a ball. He looks really go. good, and he loves it. But, oh, that's awesome! But yeah, yeah, my son's having a lot of fun with. It. I think it's the most fun I've had. Had seen him playing something, so I, I so, I'm just gonna keep him in that for sure. So the the question actually is, is Butchie after that that fundraiser said 
when are you going to get back into leagues? Because we used to, Pete and I used to bowl leagues with friends yeah, of I ours. Yeah, I think Butchie says that every time I go there. Well, you're yeah. going to join a league. Gonna yeah. a league. <laughs> so I said, well, I tried to get on Ketteragon's like team, but he said that he wouldn't let us on. <laughs> so I, what, I'm at, what I'm saying is, when are we going to join up and start our own league? We because were talking the, about it. What uh, when's the next league available? Is there a summer one? We got to wait right, until the yeah. fall, or what's going know. on? You know, we'll do we want to do? Do we want to do five man, or how we want to go? <laughs> I don't know. This, you know. All I know is I want to get back in one. I, I do want to get back in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not to your guys's part. I'll keep your. I'll no. keep the average low. No, you're. Well, you just got to learn to sandbag for the first couple weeks. That's all. I was going to say, Andy, you hit it right on the hand. Just sandbag, sandbag, and then all of a sudden, I'll sandbag it all season for you. <laughs> don't worry yeah no. keep that average down until tournament time no i'm not i it's like it's like it's pete right. why are you bowling right-handed now you, you the first three weeks you're bowling lefty <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. right no, no that's awesome yeah. um no i'm excited too i haven't bowled in league in a long time and uh the last league i bowled in was actually in the off season when i was playing for the cubs uh, in 2010 i think i started out with like a 232 average and then it whittled down to like a 218 by the end of the, the year when i had to go back for spring training but it's a bowling season has got to be the long, longest season ever it is a long season well, my kid season's like from september to may still that is insane. Yeah. Ten year old. it's a long season it's, you know, it's, it's crazy it's it's almost six months it seems like but uh that's a great sport, you know. It's awesome. Anything that I can play now, where I get to, to drink a beer doing it, I'm pretty involved. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get in touch with Butchie and figure out next next league time. Get the QTR team going. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, so you kind of touched on it. You you bowled the league for or in Chicago. So that was the team that gave you your shot, right? That was yeah. The first. So what happened was is you know going from the Yankees to the Cubs. Um, you know, the following year after rookie ball, I ended up getting moved up to short season and, um, we were in Staten Island, New York. We had a really good team again. Um, with nine games left in the season, I ended up getting traded to the Cubs. Um, the team ended up going to the championship series and winning the New York Penn league championship. So I ended up getting a ring for that too. Um, I played for the Wisconsin Woodchucks in the Northwoods League between my freshman and, and sophomore year of college, and we won that championship as well in 2002. So I had a lot of hardware at home. 2003, so I went 03, 04, 05 consecutively of winning championships, and I started to get used to that. And oh yeah, winning's a good feeling, you know. And and when when you're winning, it you you obviously see that the results and the hard work are paying off and, and all the attributes that you pulled from the coaches and all your teammates and stuff. Um, you know, it, it reveals all the hard work and, and the effort that you put into it. So once I realized that, you know, it felt good and I wanted to keep that role. And so once I got over to the Cubs organization, they wanted me to be a starting pitcher. And, um, you know, I, I started out in, in high A with them in Daytona, um, then I moved up to double A in Tennessee. And then the following year, I, I started out in Tennessee again for about a month, a little over a month. They moved me up to triple A. So I got to triple A when I was 24. Um, and, uh, I was 23 turning 24 cause my birthday's in June. So, um, you know, I was, I was fairly young. I felt like, uh, when I got to triple A, um, obviously the game's moving in a younger direction now, but, um, I, re- I was a starting pitcher my entire time in the minor leagues up until 2009. In 2009, the Cubs decided to turn me into a relief pitcher because they thought that I was ready to get in there, but I wasn't ready to start. 
And, um, you know, basically what they had me do as a starter was develop all of my secondary pitches. You know, the fastball and the sinker was there, but, you know, I needed work on my changeup. I needed work on my breaking stuff. So, you know, my double A coach told me, he goes, you don't really know what pitching is until you throw at least 600 innings in the minor leagues. And, you know, I looked at my numbers the other night when I was at home and I went, wow, I threw almost a thousand innings of professional baseball. Uh, it's, it's crazy. That's to insane. Think. You know, so I actually had, I think around like around 500 or so innings by the time I got called up. So in 2009, they turned me into a reliever full time out of the bullpen. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where I was flying from, we were going, we had a night game in Des Moines. Um, and then we had a quick turnaround with a 4 a.m. bus to the airport, and we had to, tr- to go to Albuquerque. And, of course, it's not a direct flight, so we had to go through Dallas, and then we connect and get into Albuquerque at about 1.30 in the afternoon, games at 7 that night, you know, so guys are tired and they're kind of groggy and frustrated. And, you know, we only have time to drop our suitcases off at the hotel, and then we got to go right to the field. So we drop our stuff off, go to the field, and I'm unpacking my bag. It's like 4 o'clock or so. And the manager calls me into the office and I'm like, oh man, what did I do now? <laughs> like, you know, cause I, you know, I like to mess around a little bit and have some fun. I wasn't a troublemaker, but you know, I thought he, he had something that he wanted to just talk to me about sure. or whatever, and maybe figure out kind of reset, uh, the bullpen or the rotation or something. Who put like the that. icy hat? In the <laughs> yeah. Pace. Right. All right. What's in my jock strap? I need to know immediately. All right. <laughs> do I need to call somebody or is this just going to go away eventually? Right. So no, it was crazy. I go into the office and, um, uh, um, you know, my manager sits me down and, uh, it was Bobby Dickerson. And, and he says to me, how you doing, big man? I'm like, I'm good. You know, he's like, what do you, um, what do you got planned over the, you know, the course of tonight and tomorrow? And I'm like sleeping, I was going to, you know, hope maybe pitch tonight and then go back to the hotel and get some rest or whatever. Finally. And he's like, well, he's like, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get any rest. And I was like, why not? He goes, well, what are your parents doing tomorrow? And I go, I don't know. I think they were going to go to a Brewer game. So nothing when no light went up in your head. What are your well, parents you know, doing? No, because like I think they're going to a supper well, club. They might right, get a brandy old fashioned. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that stuff. No, you know, once I, you're right though, Pete. Once I heard that, I kind of went, hmm, like, <laughs> all right, what's going on yeah. right now? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he looks at me. He goes, "You might want to tell him to drive to Chicago instead." And I went, "No way." He goes congratulations, you're going up to the big leagues. And I'm like, even talking to you guys right now, I still get a little choked up talking about it because it was just like... I got goosebumps and I don't even, holy I'm not even shit. part of this story. Yeah, I'm awesome. like, holy shit, I made it. Like, I'm going to the show. <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, congratulations, you're going to the show. And I'm oh, like, so awesome. holy shit. So I had to pack my locker back up and then go to the Albuquerque airport. <laughs> and then, of course, I didn't have a direct flight back. So I had to transfer to uh, Denver. And then from Denver to chicago and i got to chicago i think it was like 8 a.m we had a noon game at home and i'm dog tired you know and i'm just like wow but as soon as i got out into the like into the club i got a sure. cab i get in the clubhouse and i'm looking around and my, my eyes were probably as big as ryan bronze <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i'm looking around and i'm like wow holy crap like i'm at wrigley field these are the dudes like carrie woods my teammate now and 
you know, Ryan Dempster and Derek so, Lee and Alfonso um, Soriano. And like, yeah, that's one of the last years they were really good. Well, really, I, they were first and then they ended up being fifth. Last yeah, year, but, you know, it was uh, in the division, but looked last good on, year good. looked really good on no, paper. No, but you know. <laughs> They had they had a lot of good guys that year. We did. We looked really good on paper. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. Right. Um, you know, from our standpoint, but for um, you know, the Brewers' standpoint, it worked out a little bit better, especially bit. in 2011. Yeah, um, that's for sure. But uh, no, it was crazy. You know, I it had a noon game, but as soon as I got out in the field, you know, the tiredness went away. I was instantly electrified. And, you know, just seeing all the people, the smells, the atmosphere, like you can, I can still hear it, smell it, feel it in my mind right now. And it's just something that I'll never forget. Um, I didn't get to pitch my first day up, which was kind of a relief, you know, because I got to get settled in and I didn't get really thrown in there. Sometimes it's a good thing, honestly, to get thrown in there. You know, my, my roommate, Ryan O'Malley got called up straight from double a on a spot start whim. He had no idea. They just needed a guy and he went up there and absolutely shoved and then stuck around for a little bit after that. Um, unfortunately got sent back down and didn't make it back up, but you never know when your time is going to be called. You just have to be ready for it, you know? So, um, it was crazy. You know, they always talk about in the minor leagues, you know, once you play with that you get another deck on top of that stadium, you know, you're somewhere. And right. when I was in Wrigley and I'm looking around, I'm like, there's the third, there's the third deck up there. You know, I, so, I made it. So, I mean, you've had Lou Pinella. As I coach. had sweet Lou and, um, he was a beaut. <laughs> how, how much dust did he kick on people and have a rate tangents, like kicking God, bases man, he said so on TV. Is it the same? Like He's, seeing him on TV yeah, and the anger he, he used to get. Him. He said some of the funniest shit, you know, and, <laughs> um, some of the stuff that, he talked about he was uh, one of those guys where um, obviously a great player, you know, and knows the game of baseball, but more of kind of a like a face in the organization. You know, uh, most of the staff ran the team and stuff. Um, you know, the bench coach. Oh, right. Pitch, yeah, yeah, everybody got involved. But, so many roles. Um, yeah, he was. He would say some things that just kind of made you laugh or scratch your head. You know, like. Oh, did he really just say that? Um, you know, he didn't really know anybody's name either. He, ca- he called everybody's son. Um, unless your name was easy to remember, he did call me Berg, you know, every once in a while. But, you know, how you doing, son? Nice to see you, son. How's everything? Yeah. It is, you know, nice guy or whatever. But um, people get called guess, up. Yeah, you get those call ups a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, I just remember, you know, seeing the, what was that, water commercial that he was on, and he's kicking the umpire. He's like, I think you're doing a great job out here. <laughs> you know, it was, it was yeah. so funny because I, I didn't see that version of him. I got uh, the, the real Lou, you know, where it was uh, vulgar and there was a lot of cussing and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, no, he was uh, – it was interesting. I had Lou Pinella, and then I had Mike Quaddy also um, for, you know, Mike, yeah, Mike. Mike's brief stint and um, – you know that was um, those were my two big league managers that I had. Um, but yeah, to say that I played for Lou is pretty crazy too. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. Lucky, but, you're kind of lucky. <laughs> I wish yeah, I could say no, that. The, uh, you know, there's got to be a degree of luck involved, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, it was a blast. So, what was your first game that you actually got into? So, my first game was um, it was at home. It was at Wrigley, a day game. 2008 World Series champions, Philadelphia Phillies. My first batter ever that I faced was Ryan Howard. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, when I was in the bullpen, you know, I was pretty nervous, obviously. I hadn't been in there yet. And then all of a sudden, 
I get the call from the, the bullpen phone rings and my bullpen coach Lester's like, Berg, let's get it going. And I'm like, Ooh, here we go. All right, time to go. And, you know, of course the bullpens are set, they were set off to the side in foul territory. So, you know, you're warming up and you're like, God, I don't want to airmail one and stop the game. You know, it goes back <laughs> to the play, guy, you know, yeah. like, you know, things like that are going through your mind and you're warming up and you're just trying to make good pitches and stuff. And you're so nervous that you can't even really see what's going on. You know, you're kind of shaking and stuff. And I ran out to the field and, you know, I, I threw my warm up pitches and, once I, I got done, I was kind of looking up like at the stadium. I started, I think, like third base side, and I worked all the way around from third base behind home plate and then to the first base side, just kind of taking it all in. And then I turned around, and I see Ryan Howard, you know, strapping up and stepping into the box. He's towing in, and I'm like, this is a legit thought. Honest to God, I went, this dude is on Subway commercials. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought when I saw him stepping in the box. I'm like, this guy is on Subway commercials, and I'm pitching against him. He's right eating now. fresh. He's eating <laughs> fresh. Right? Isn't that a joke on like The Office? I think so. Right? Yeah. Jim's like, yeah, right. Firm. Yeah, he's yeah. saying that every two seconds. Subway eat fresh. Oh, I just Subway remember eat fresh. Subway eat fresh. Yeah. For his like whole skin and like yeah. whatever else in the punchline was like, like say Subway oh, eat yeah. fresh. Well, and him and uh, him and. Uh, was it Utley? We're on yeah. uh, Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, funny yeah. too. Yeah, was <laughs> That's one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. I faced Ryan Howard. Honestly, the first three pitches I threw, couldn't even see him. You know, a pitcher's supposed to track the ball in and see what it's doing so he knows whether it's moving or it's flat or what's going on. No, I nah. couldn't. I let it go and I'm like, strike. All right, I threw a strike. That, that was awesome, happened. you know? Yeah. Um, so luckily, you know, I didn't walk him. He ended up getting a base hit to left field, which I thought was, you know, all right, cool. I didn't walk him. I got the ball put in play. He did his job. I, I'm all right. Yeah, you know, I'm a sinker baller. I'm going to get a double play right here. So then Jason Worth steps into the box. And, um, yeah, I threw him a sinker in. Got in, I jammed him. 6-4-3 double play. And then my next batter was Ben Francisco. And uh, I struck him out with a slider. That was my first big league inning of work. There you so, go. Um, the baseball has got its sticker and it's sitting on my mom and dad's shelf at home and they're awesome. on their nightstand in the bedroom. So very cool. That's super cool. Um, yeah, that was my first inning of work. I threw another one after that. Um, ended up finishing the game at Wrigley at home, which was cool. You know, we were up by quite a bit and um, two innings of, of scoreless baseball for my debut. I, I was ecstatic, you know. It was kind of funny because when I got done with my first inning, I was so relieved. I sat on the bench and he's like, I'm like, whew, I'm glad that was went well and I'm done, you know. And he's like, Are you good to go another one? And I'm like, Yeah, I'll go Yeah, you better believe I'm good to go another one. Yeah. So um no, I was that was awesome. I had a pretty good two thousand nine. I think that was my best year of baseball as far as I'm from my standpoint, I think that was my favorite year of playing. So Nice. Anything you want to wrap up about your career? So I guess I'll kind of talk about this. After I got done, um, you know, I pitched in the big leagues from 2009 to 2011, uh, parts of three years, um, and then I ended up having Tommy John surgery on my elbow. Had to go down to Arizona for rehab. Kind of a blessing in disguise. That's where I actually met my wife. Um, so it was it was a kind of a, a win lose. You know, it was a a good and bad thing that happened. But uh, you know you. You always got to try to take the positives away from oh, right, the negatives, sure. and you things know, are things happen for exactly. For sure. You know, and I'm not going to say it was fate or anything, but you know, it was it was definitely meant for a purpose. But um, you know, so I, I 
I played with the Yankees organization, played with the Cubs organization, then I signed with the Rockies organization as a free agent. And, you know, as a player... The Rockies, that's like a... That's quite a interesting deal you signed with to go into Colorado and be a pitcher. Yeah, you know, well, I was a sinker baller, so that's I got true. a lot of ground that's balls, true. and I oh, really yeah, fit the good. mold. You know, when when the Rockies were in the World Series in, um, oh, man, what year was that? I don't want to butcher it. 07, I want to say, um, with Aaron Cook and uh, Jeff Francis being their number one and two guys, Aaron Cook had a bowling ball for a sinker, and he was really successful up there. That dude threw a, a complete game on 68 pitches at Coors Field being a sinker baller. So me being a sinker baller. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, they were looking at me going, okay, you could possibly jump into the starting rotation and fill in that slot for us. That would be nice. Um, you know, and I was gearing up for that. I Like I said, I, I got uh, turned into a reliever once I was in the big leagues. But after I had surgery, I wanted to go back to starting pitching because I really liked that. And the Rockies wanted me to do that as well. So – I gave it my best bolt um, and made three starts in AAA, and I was really on the cusp of getting a call up and going into the rotation and making my first start. And then, unfortunately, I had another setback um, from my elbow injury. Um, but you know, it, it was it was um, it was short lived in the Rockies organization. But I have to say, from a player's standpoint, I was really fortunate to be in three organizations that really did a good job and took care of their players and. Um, you know, Yankees, Cubs, Rockies, they all did an amazing job of um, trying to make you feel like, uh, like a, you know, the best ball player that you could right. be. They did a, a nice job of, of developing guys, and uh, they, they, they took care of you pretty well, I thought, for the most part, compared to some organizations. I've heard some horror stories about, <laughs> you know, the food and having to pay for certain equipment and things like that. Oh, but. Um, that shouldn't happen. Come on. Yeah, right. I know, but um, you're yes. charging eleven bucks for a beer. Seriously? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Well, money doesn't fall far from the top. <laughs> that's, you know? true. that's true. But uh, yeah, so three professional organizations like that, and then I also played um, in Venezuela in winter ball, and then uh, I played for the Republic of San Marino, a uh, small little country inside of Italy, uh, third smallest republic in the world for anybody that doesn't know, and it was a. Uh, it was a blast. I had a great time playing um, over in Italy as well. Um, I talked about Venezuela a little bit earlier, but Italy was fun too. You know, I mean, there were some some talented players over there. Um, it was a makeup of Italian guys, uh, Latin American players, and then um, you know uh, American guys. And it was funny because like in the team meetings, you know, Italians kind of similar to Spanish. So I knew some Spanish. Um, I didn't know much Italian, but I kind of figured it out. And in the team meetings, you know, our manager was Italian and he would say something in Italian and then a Latin American pitcher would respond in Spanish. And then I would jump in and say something in English and everybody understood each other and there was no translator. And it was really crazy because, you know, usually when you start in one language, you finish in that language, but we were jumping all over the place and it was amazing to see like the level of communication, you know, it was, uh, pretty cool so it's pretty interesting because i was wondering about that even like as as even nba players and things like that move over to like the european leagues to kind of finish out their career or get another opportunity and things like that i always like how does it even work and how are you able to even make that thing work when when the team's primarily focused with that language the language yeah. barrier and even 
existing and trying to manage living in that type of it's crazy you know like in spring training when we have meetings and stuff like that they'll separate um (laughs) not segregate they'll separate (laughs) the latin american players and the american players the latin guys that speak english really well will go to the first meeting with the english guys but then the latin guys will have their own separate meeting and they'll reiterate everything in spanish to those guys so they all understand and then you also have to have the random translator that the Asian guys bring with them, you know, whether you come from Korea or Taiwan or Japan or something like that, they have to have their own translators. So like when I was on the Cubs and we had Kosuke Fukudome, he had his own translator with him. He had a massage guy that, you know, that he came with him too. And, and, you know, he didn't speak much English, but he understood it decently, you know, so you you could talk to him and joke with him and he'd laugh and stuff, you know, that's good. Um, And like Chen Ming Wong, he was on my team out in the Atlantic league when, when I, played for the blue crabs and even as many years as he had in in america he still didn't speak english that great and i i was thinking man i can't even imagine like you know it's one thing to be able to go from english to spanish to italian and all the letters and everything are the same but then you go from totally different lateral letters and numerals and street signs and it's all different you know like when i played in in venezuela and italy like there was english flying around it wasn't tough to be able to communicate you know so i i feel bad more for the asian guys uh, and the guys that come from the smaller you know those countries where it's it's a lot more tough to be able to feel at home when you're traveling halfway around the world and the seasons are the opposite of what they're usually you know sure. it's it's crazy yeah they're so. under enough pressure in, in baseball and then they have the pressure of like changing countries yeah, right i can't even imagine that That'd the beautiful be thing though is they can't really understand if fans are screaming at them that was kind of fun when they I can't was, hear when when it, your brother yeah. sucks at cabinets <laughs> right exactly so um that was but what do you even respond to that like you <laughs> was like i don't know does it like how do you even know <laughs> you know okay they're probably sure. under warranty do I'll you need me to, to call them yeah. i don't know <laughs> it was some do random you need a example, refund you know, know. <laughs> like it was just uh they're like just kill them with kindness you know anago they're like hey hey anago you know you guys you potato potato eating guys and i'm like how do they know anago grows potatoes that's crazy and all these guys did their research apparently and that's like amazing. to uh heckle yeah you should be like appreciate that they cared that much about you to oh, find definitely. out about you. Definitely, you know, that's when you, you know you made it. You kind of turn and you nod to them. You're like, "All right, you know, I see you working. You good you job. doing your thing. I'm doing mine. Good work." You do you. <laughs> Got to respect a good heckler here, oh, there. Yeah. You know, so. Um, <clears throat> now that was kind of my career in a nutshell. You know, I played 13 years, three different organizations: Venezuela, Italy, and um, and then I ended up getting into the coaching side of things, which was which has been really fun so far. So, um, but you know, I knew the last year that I was playing, I really wasn't going to get picked up by a professional organization again. And I kind of felt like I knew that it was kind of my time. I was trying to make that transition and I wanted to play as long as I could and just leave it all out there. And, and I did, you know, the last pitch that I threw was a, a breaking ball that Delwyn Young hit through the infield. I gave up a base hit to him and I could barely walk off the mound. So I just, I literally had to be carried off the field and that's how my career ended. So left it all out there. Yeah. Well, these aren't any regrets with that one. If you, if you put it all out there and you, and you gave it your all, like no regrets. Just teach kids, right? You want to want them to not like Leave put every on. effort and put everything oh, yeah. you have out there. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing that's that's hardest that's hardest to teach for for me 
for the kids. I played at a 110%. They called me 110% Pete in high school. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's like, that's how I played. I know how it yeah. is. I just naturally did that. So when I see a kid just taking plays out, I'm like, come on, man, come on, let's yeah. go. Like, it's tough. Like, come on, man, let's go. You never know when it's going to be your last chance. Right. You know, some kids, you know, they finish in high school. Some kids get to play in college and that's it. Some kids get to pro ball and then – you know, they don't quite like you never know when the end of the road is. Right. So I feel like when I, you know, when I coached in the in the Northwoods League, I was the pitching coach for the Kenosha Kingfish in 2018. We had guys on our staff, you know, they're talking about saving their bullets. And I'm like, what are you saving them for, man? Like, you want to get drafted? You want to try show and show yourself? You got to show yourself. I mean, if you're going to save them, you're only going to take them home and they're going to sit in your back pocket yeah. for the rest of your life. You yeah, know, let yeah. it let it fly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you, like we coach ten-year-olds, obviously, and you help out our team. Very grateful for that. But we talk about it, and it's like they're afraid to go out and make mistakes. So you know what I mean? They're they're letting up and taking it safe, and it's just you just want to push them. I can take the mistake all day long if yeah. you put it out there because you'll never know what you're capable of, and you'll surprise yourself most often than not. Well, that's the biggest thing about um, well, baseball is a sport that's built on failure. You know, oh, right. I mean, three out of ten yeah. is supposed supposedly good, right? right. So, um, you know, I was always taught don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, um, it, failing is part of life. You know, it's it's part of experimentation, whether it be with with baseball or other sports or anything that you do with life. You know. It's the only way that you can get better. You talk about a guy like Thomas Edison and inventing all this stuff like, you know, oh, he invented the light bulb, but how many 230 some odd light bulbs did he make before that that didn't work, you know? Right. So it's a matter of perseverance and figuring out how to how to make it happen. So, yeah, definitely. So last thing we want to cover, speaking of giving their best effort, the Houston Astros. <laughs> they did a great job giving their effort. Oh, yeah. They gave it they 110%, right? They put Pete? every, they put, they'd used is every that, is, single tool they needed to the win the game. Is that 110% Pete, too? That's yeah, right. No, you got to do everything you can to you win the game. Got a little buzzer, the little... <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh man. oh, man. You know, it was funny. Like, when I found out about that whole thing, you know, me, me being a former pitcher, I'm like... You know, hitting's the hardest thing to do in all of sports as far as I'm concerned. It's 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 not an easy thing by any means. But if you know what's coming, it definitely makes it a lot lot easier to 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 make some contact, you know. And when you got a guy that throws hard and his ball doesn't move a lot, all you got to do is stick that bat out there and shoot the ball through the I mean, hole or pitchers what? do it all the time. They just stick the bat out there <laughs> and they get lucky, right? Absolutely. I'm just so, kidding. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> but uh no, you know, that whole thing when it came out, it was funny. I got like this meme creator and I, I took um, this picture of Animal from the Muppets playing the drums and I put an Astros jersey on him and then <laughs> put the logo of the Houston Astros on the front of the drum head, you know, and it was like, had Animal saying, ah, breaking ball. <laughs> 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 and then all, all I pictured was like Todd Rundgren, like, I don't want to work. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, just banging on the drum all day. That's crazy. So it would be hilarious if uh, you know opposing stadiums played that for all the Astros. They should. <laughs> I think they should. I, it might happen. This is going to be an entertaining Major League That's Baseball season, like the, the road it's, show. So it's, it's really interesting, you guys. You know, when I was in it, you're talking about the end of the steroid era. You know, you know, yeah. Sammy Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds, and all that stuff. You know, the 
you know, having the whole um, the guys that brought baseball back, quote right. unquote, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the whole the whole thing that happened with you know getting the government involved and everything, yeah. um, it turned out to be quite a scandal. And then you know, going from that kind of weeding that out, transitioning into this whole usage of technology and and this cheating scandal might turn out to be worse than the steroid scandal. You know, guys are talking about it like, hey, um, you know. It's it's one thing to cheat and steal signs. It's how you do it and go about it that's that can be credible. You know, pitchers were saying I'd almost rather have the steroid guys back up there. You know, because at, at least, least you knew what you were facing. Exactly. Right? Yep. You know what you're getting. So, um, you know, yeah. That's what I was kind of wondering. Like, I mean, stealing signs has been happening forever. Right? Forever. You know, it's part of the. But game. it's just the matter of how they did it is what's well, wrong, right? What's right. Going? Well. I think we're now at the cusp, and I think you're starting to see a little bit now where the technology is now caught up. Where before, like we didn't have a lot of that technology, where they didn't have 50 million cameras everywhere, oh, right? Yeah, and built into even like the per- like technology itself and the cameras and all the analytics are built into the game of baseball. It's there, and it's at the team's exposure, and they theoretically don't have it available to them to like the after the game or whatever else. Right. But that's not to stop a team from mounting whatever cameras they feel necessary and, yeah, and whatever I mean, else. Yeah, Trackman's in there. You know, each um, you know they got iPads in the dugouts that are issued by MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back into the clubhouse. You know, at Yankee Stadium when we were there. You know, all the the home lockers had you know iPads that you could swing open in your locker. Pull up all your footage, pull up other people's. I mean, there's film. We had a film room in Chicago. You know, you get done in the inning, you go in the film room, you look at what you did, and then you go back out there. And it's like, you know, that was kind of where we were at back then. This is only 10 years ago. Now you're talking, well, I mean, the first iPhone was invented in 07, right? So you're talking, you know, 2010 to 2020, technology's gone again from zero to 60. Mm-hmm. So where is it going to end? You know, are you going to have to have TSA standing in the, in the you know, in the, the tunnel between the dugout to the clubhouse, making sure guys don't go back there and they're cheating or, you know, you got you to gotta pat guys down on the way to the field before the game starts. You know, how far is it going to go? I mean, we we're always taught when you got to the field to put your phone in your locker and lock it up and stuff like that. But, um, you know, now organizations, they got people working for them. You know, there's spies around and there's all kinds of different things. So, um, yeah, sign stealing has been around for a long time, but you got to be able to do it with some tact. And, of course, you know, with it's not just been in baseball, but, you know, with the Patriots and football and stuff like that, too. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where this all goes from here. Yeah. If you aren't cheating, you aren't winning. I just thought it was interesting how long it probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. sorry. Okay. I, just I don't inter- want it to happen. I just thought it was interesting how long it was happening, and probably how many people had an idea about it or right. thought about it, and it, didn't, yeah. it took to what till Mike Mike Fires like Fires was Good supposedly Fires. the whistleblower, but you know there's reports that the A's were going to talk to the MLB about that before Fires even mentioned it, and um, you know. It, there's some guys that are on the fence with him. There's guys that hate him. There's guys that respect him for what he did. Um, you know, personally, I, I don't I don't know if he's a whistleblower or not. I kind of respect the fact that he brought it to the forefront a little bit and kind of exposed it. You know, he, he was the one that had the balls to get out there and kind of present it to everybody that really made it blow up, you know. And 
Um, are they going to go back and, and punish the Red Sox now and stuff like that too? We'll see. But as far as the penalty goes, I really thought it was a slap on the wrist and Manfred really needs oh, to sack yeah. up. You know, it, they should have been two-year suspension from all playoffs. They should have had to give it up the title. Um, I'm thinking $50 million fine and lose their first two-round picks, for, uh, their first first and second-round picks for the, the two years that they're suspended. I think that would be a pretty fair punishment to the organization because, you know, $5 million and not losing an opportunity for play, like that's just, it's nothing. It is. You know, they pay guys way more than $5 million to play for them, you know, so it's like you got to make them hurt a little bit more than that. You know, I think they – they're going to – they need to feel it better than than what Manfred presented and – yeah, I could talk about him for a little bit more with all the rule no, yeah, changes and uh, stuff that are coming up, you know. Um, I don't know. If he's getting a lot of good publicity lately, the way he's talking, <laughs> too. He's just trying to reinvent the wheel, you know. Right. Literally. Don't change a game that, like, why, I don't know. Some of the rules they're changing are pretty ridiculous. That's yeah, for sure. you know, the pickoff one now, it's like they're t- saying that guys have to step off the rubber every single time to make a pick move. Even the lefties, there's going to be no hanging or anything like that anymore. It's like, because it's considered. So Kershaw has to retire then. <laughs> pretty much, right? <laughs> well, I think. Now, Lester can still pitch. He doesn't throw over anyways. But, but, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy seeing some of the changes they're trying to make. And, of course, I was playing in the Atlantic League, and the Atlantic League is an independent ball league that's uh, on the East Coast made up of eight teams that have anywhere from about average on 10 former Major League ball players on their team. And um, it's really good competition, probably similar to who between AA and AAA. And it's like the guinea pig for the big leagues right now. they got a partnership going. Um, when I was playing there, the changes that they tried to implement were like the 12-second the pitch clock, uh, making sure that the batters didn't step out of the box completely in between pitches unless they either <laughs> broke their bat or something happened, you know, um, to try and speed up the game and stuff like that. And then, of course, you got the K zone, and now they're bringing in robotic umpires, and you got the swing and miss rule where you can swing and miss and run to first at any point in time and steal it um, if the well, catcher drops that it. One. So Swing and miss. Yeah, that. so like Tony Thomas was a guy that was in the Cubs organization. I think he made it up to AAA, and um, – he was the first ever guy in the Atlantic League, so it was like a 2-2 count or 1-2 or something like And he swung at a pitch that he missed, and the catcher missed it. Like He whiffed on it. It was a pass ball, and it went to the backstop, and he took off and ran to first base, and he was called safe, and his cleats are in Cooperstown right wow. now as the first person to ever steal first base <laughs> as that new rule changed. So, That's amazing. Um, yeah, you got that, and, and yeah – some of the you know, they talked about moving the the pitching mound back to sixty two feet instead instead of sixty feet six inches. Um, so, talking about lowering and hiring all that. Kind yeah, of stuff lower too, the right? mound. Um, you know they already trimmed it down a little bit before. Now they want to do it again. Um, so that just levels off, like seeing the pitch, right? Yeah, it makes the pitches a little flatter. You know the gotcha. breaking stuff's not going to be as sharp. There's not going to be as much depth. Uh, when you throw the ball on a flat ground right. versus driving it downhill, you don't get yeah. as much two plane action. So, trying to make it more offensive geared. It's a lot of big words for my uh, <laughs> <laughs> my graphics design yeah. career. I color on a computer for a living. Well, as long as it's inside of the lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. I got a degree that says so. That's awesome. So you're, you do, you graphic design then, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I did the Bronco Select logo. That's so. per- That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and you guys do a great job here in town with that Broncos team. You know, all the kids are great. And like I said, you know, you guys are obviously hearing some of the information that I'm spewing out. And these kids are, you know, young kids that are getting this information i wish i had this you know when i was their oh, age yeah. um and that's why I we, love all, doing we all we all do <laughs> <laughs> that's why i love doing this stuff you know because it's it's a lot of fun to see uh, the light bulb go off when a kid gets it and it's like oh that's how you do that and it's like yeah yep and if you keep doing this and and keep adding on this other stuff you're gonna be even better so keep it going you know right it was just interesting because i remember because i was a, i was a pretty good hitter in high school and whatever else no you weren't <laughs> oh, oh no pete called i used to dare him i we were on separate teams as kids oh really not in high school or whatever but we were on separate teams and i we had a scrimmage and i played catcher and i dared him i well i didn't dare him i bet him <laughs> i said i bet you can't hit a home run next pitch he just crushes got one over the fence <laughs> well, got it. it was crazy because what was that eighth grade year yes yeah. was it summer grade, after yeah. or summer going into eighth grade i, I can't think remember eighth now grade, yeah I had like 15 like legit home runs legit. that year wow. over the fence. We we did our yep, team got yep. the last laugh. We won the league, so you did. It was <laughs> that how you start? How you finish? Right? Yeah. <laughs> they had all the all stars. We were the Sandlot team, so you know I'm surprised that Wisconsin hasn't been one of those states where they flip around um, the high school season and trade that with the Legion schedule, so that way the Legion plays in the spring, the high school plays in the summer, so it makes the stats of the players a little bit better. You know, going into um, the possibility of coaches looking at them. So I do believe school. half of Wisconsin used to be like that. They used to have like a summer league. A lot of the high schools played in summer. Like and a lot I, of Milwaukee yeah. leagues played like I thought like I that. heard that at one point, but it I wasn't think it's a now and now it's thing. a statewide thing that they are in the spring. I, I believe. Yeah, they like, yeah. they migrated everybody over from that schedule to. Yeah, because I mean, being from up north, like I said, we had to come down to like Oshkosh and James. Like we were playing in blizzards up there sometimes. You <laughs> right. know, I, there were some some games where you're like, wow, this should we even outside playing right now? You know, well, even for us, like I think last. Year, our first game was technically scheduled for april 2nd that never happened so there's no way yeah anago last year um they had a tough tough go at the beginning of the year they ended up playing like i think seven or eight games down in this area where they were in kenosha then they were over by janesville doing making up some games like own conference games against their own teams because there was so much of a snowpack up there last oh, year oh yeah yeah it was insane and they got hammered again this year so it'll be interesting there wasn't as much snow up there right now uh, when I went up to Wausau yesterday, but, um, you know, with, with the weather being the way that it was today, it's like, it's go time right around the corner, you know? Yes. Yeah, so we were able to get outside, but I, I either had a, a huge snowpack, like you mentioned before, or we had obscene amounts of rain the last couple of years. Oh, and no, it's just man. been a kind of a brutal this season. Last year was terrible with the rainfall. I mean, you know, now since I got done playing, I do like some landscaping work where we build patios and do retaining walls and we, you know, plant trees and bushes, mulch, all that stuff. And, you know, when you're trying to bring heavy machines and equipment and it's constantly mucky outside, you know, plywood can only do so much and you're tearing people's lawns up and, and it, yeah, I got horses too. So I had to build a horse barn this last summer and man, like every weekend it seemed it was raining and you're out there and your tools are getting messed up right. and, and you know, it's just, it's just not a fun environment to be in Yeah, right. for sure. So hopefully the weather's going to be better this year. Hopefully yeah. knock on wood. We don't got any wood. We got uh, 
particle board. It's a particle board. <laughs> 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 that works. That, that works too, right? Yeah, that'll work. It's compressed. <laughs> Baseball superstitions wise, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Where's your band playing? My band, huh? We don't really have a band anymore. You know what oh, I was? Oh, the band's done. My brothers. And I, we still play music, you know, I still play the drums at home. I still have a guitars that, that I like to play. Um, I write and record my own stuff. I have like 25 songs on my iPad that, that we have. Um, some aren't finished. Some are finished. Um, my wife, Sammy sings and she's really good. Um, she's, uh, she's kind of, we talk about that it factor with certain things like, when she sings, she's got that it factor. No matter if she's on key or not, you're like, she's got a good voice, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, where I'm like, I have to really try, and I don't have a lot of dynamic in my voice or my range. So I'm kind of, I'd be like a good rhythm or backup singer type of the guy. Um, but uh, music's been a part of us for a long time, and we still write and record. Like, um, I kind of, I'm diving into, you guys are going to laugh at this, but I don't just write like real songs. I'm also doing parody baseball songs, and I'm writing <laughs> covers of like uh, Down on the Corner by CCR, and like, um, I'm changing an Ace of Bass song from I Saw the Sign to I Missed the Sign. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, there you go. So, nice. um, kind of like the Weird Al of baseball parody songs, I That's guess. Perfect. So, I'm trying to see. See if That's your new career. Gonna, if this is going to come to fruition and uh, maybe if, take off and be played well, in the well, stadium. I think, so first of all, if you actually get this working, I want it to be on our phones and have it played during dugout sessions. Oh, and yeah. See if the kids actually <laughs> like some, uh, That'd be hilarious, you know? I think I smell a new song, like a QTR song he needs to come <laughs> there up. There you Something, go. Right, right. Yeah. Um, we need to do bumper music. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, with uh, 1175 and Route 20 being right down the road for me, Yeah, they got concerts and stuff coming through there all the there. time. Pretty wild. I, I can't actually, wait to go. Pretty good names considering yeah. Yeah, kind of got, the area. They got some guys that come through. A lot of the stuff that I like, um, you know, a lot of the – the rock and metal acts come through there and and some of the local guys that play around like the lunch money bullies and stuff those guys are pretty good to watch and um i just love music man it's something that i i like i said has been a part of me in fact um one of my coolest experiences with music goes is um you know eddie vetter was a huge cubs fan and he's you know pearl jam is a band that i loved listening to growing up in the 90s grunge and all that stuff and (laughs) and when i got to meet eddie vetter i was like hey eddie my name's justin nice to meet you i'm a huge fan he goes i know who you are and i was like holy shit did eddie vetter just say he knows who i am (laughs) wait no i know who you are that's awesome you're eddie vetter man and and so um you know i got to meet him and talk with him about some music things a little bit and then uh one of my coolest experiences that i got to do is ryan dempster had a, a benefit that he did in chicago at buddy guys lounge in downtown chicago and I got to meet Buddy Guy, hang out with him, sit in his office, talk guitars and, and music and stuff. And then I got to go up on the stage and play um, six songs with a band called Little Ed and the Blue Imperials. And I played the drums. And um, it was awesome, man. These guys had been on Conan O'Brien a couple times. And, you know, I'm like sitting in Buddy Guy's office in his chair with all this stuff around me. And I'm like, this guy's like in the top 10 guitarists of all time. And I got a guitar signed by him that's in my parents' basement right now that pray to God that they got insurance (laughs) (laughs) in case something happens. You need to get that back down here. Yeah, I know, right? But, uh, 
No, it was funny because he made fun of us all. You know, he's like 73 at the time, and he signs his name in perfect cursive. He's like, you know, you guys with your fancy autographs trying to sign it like doctors. He's like, I want people to know who I am, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so he signed it. He signs everything really legible, and he was a super cool, nice guy. Um, you know, um, yeah, music's fun, man. I love doing it. So we appreciate you coming on. So before you take off, is there anything you got going on that you want to plug? Um. Yeah, so like um, you know, once again, thanks for having me on again. I, I appreciate that you guys. Um, you know, I did a I did a couple camps, uh baseball camps uh this weekend. I did one up in, in Wausau, did another one um over in East Troy this morning. Um I think I ran through about sixty kids this weekend, which was great because that means sixty more got better, you know. Oh, um yeah. and and got got some experience and, and some knowledge that they needed. Um, I got another camp next weekend up in, in Crandon, Wisconsin, that we're doing a, a, a full camp this time where we're going to have, um, you know, hitting defense, um, some offensive stuff like base running. We're going to do some bunting, uh, maybe work on some sliding, um, you know, kind of work from all facets of the game. We'll get some infield drills going, some outfield stuff. Um, so that will be pretty fun um, up there. And then uh, I'll have two more camps down here in Union Grove at the end of the month, one on the 21st and then one on the 28th. And those will be at the elementary school right here in Union Grove. Um, and, uh, you know, all the, it's been a really good turnout so far, so I'm really hoping that we can get uh, get a lot of people to come out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I love working with the kids. I love seeing them get better and uh, building a, a brand of baseball in Wisconsin that hopefully is going to, you know, start putting us on the map a little bit more, and and that's what I'm about, and and uh, that's why I appreciate you guys having me involved in the Broncos Select. It's been it's been really fun so far. So we appreciate you. We, we can attest to how much you've been helping the kids and stuff like that. So if you guys are able to out there in, in podcast land, are interested in getting your your young ball players out there, we recommend joining any of Justin Berg's camps coming up. Yeah, you, you know, I got camps, lessons. Um, you know, as the weather gets warmer, we'll be able to get outside, um, you know, and the lessons will pick up. I'm really trying to get a, a portable mound at my house and get my own setup so that way everybody can just come to the house. Sure. You know, the kids can, can work with me, do their baseball stuff. The parents can hang out and, like, um, you know, have have uh, something to drink. Have and a little jam session. Have there a jam you session. Yeah. You know, we'll have the grill going. Um, no, there it'll be a, it'll be a whole atmosphere. So, um, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a, it's been a blast. So really quick. So that you have the camps coming up, and then the personal lessons. Where can they go to reach you to get kind of scheduled for that? Yeah. Stuff? So they can go on my website. It's uh, justinbergbaseball.com. It shows everything on there from the camps and clinics to the lessons. Um, we're working on getting some drills put up on the website so that way um, you guys can go on there. It'll be kind of like this platform where it'll be an encyclopedia of information and knowledge. But, yeah, justinbergbaseball.com. Well, we appreciate you having having you on here. You're more than welcome any other time. So. Yeah, just pop in anytime. Great, sure. cool. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. <laughs> Mike's questionable to return. Yeah, yeah. I got to meet Mike. That's why I got to come yeah, back, Mike, right? Mike, uh, yeah, back no, for, Mike. for sure. Because Mike, Mike, I think, had a lot of he's pretty bummed that he missed honestly well so, you know yeah. what we're gonna do it again yeah for sure. for sure so we talk i mean we talk gaming we talk everything so well i can't wait yeah. to now dive. that we're done with the yeah the, with you the, know the real stuff like, yeah, now that everybody knows Bird. who you are right, no. right yeah now let's talk about some fun stuff <laughs> yeah exactly time, the shenanigans Definitely. you know right. we really got to talk more about this bowling stuff to be honest oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, so for sure, sure. <laughs> but now nah, with that hope to see you guys next time hopefully mike can join us but until then we're questionable to return
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash questionabletoreturn. Follow each of the guys on Twitter. For Andy, at Andy, the number nine, M-A-N. Mike, at Mike R. Daly. And Pete, at P, cozy with a K, Junior, J-R. Please consider giving us a five-star review, as well as sharing us with someone you know. I got nothing. You got nothing. I, I can't. I don't have any song. You have no. You have no. I have no you have singing. To sing something. No, I got nothing. You need a jingle at the end, like questionable to return. <laughs> there you, <laughs> go. <laughs> you know, like that, there that's you when go. people know the show's over. <laughs>